What's up, Matt? How's it going? Version 2.0. <laughs> yeah, 2.0. I'm, I'm doing good. I'm doing well. Yeah. Doing well. Yeah. How are you today? I'm great. Fantastic. If you don't know who I am, I'm Scott Walton. Scott Walton with yeah. uh, what? Fairway. Fairway. Okay. Yeah. I'm Matt Bergevin, if you don't know me, yeah. with Carolina Elite Realty Group at Real Broker, LLC. Oh. And this podcast is called? Reality of Real Estate. <laughs> good job. And that is our guest today. Hi, guys. Do you want me to introduce? I would love. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Go for it. Mm. I'll do your job for you. Yeah. All right. So today we have uh, Mr. Joseph Wells. He, Hi, he I've known hey, him guys. for quite a while. Uh, we actually went to high school together back in my uh, amazing days, high school life. Yeah. When was that? Long time ago. Early 2000s. Wait, what, what was the analogy we used before when my grandma was a little girl? Oh, see what he did there? <laughs> he brought it back from a previous podcast when i said grandma was a girl then you yelled at me for saying grandma was a girl because that's in my library now i'm gonna start using that i don't remember that in my, <laughs> it went right over my normal day language i'm glad you listened to the ups the yeah. shows though he's one of the four that's yeah. listening it's pretty yeah. sweet so uh anyway so joseph uh high school buddy of mine yeah um stayed in touch over the years uh he was my very first client in real estate uh when i got my license he bought a house using Ooh, my we're, services. We're going to talk about that and how yeah. awesome that was. It was, I'm sure, a 10 out of 10, of course. <laughs> Always. And then uh, he's purchased several from me. I've helped him sell a couple. Yeah. And uh, he's an investor. He is uh, definitely involved in the real estate game now. He just got his real estate license. So um, I thought it makes sense to bring him on so we can yeah, welcome, Jeff. Learn, learn more about his world. Thanks for having me, guys. So I think on the first topic, we want to talk about the investor side. Okay. You have some experience in that. Okay. Um, we can look at it a, a few different angles, but let's start with what you look for when you're looking for a rental property or is that what you have like long-term rentals? Oh, absolutely. Or do you do flips too? Um, no flips as of yet. That's kind of one of my goals for 2023. I'd like to do my first flip. Nice. But, Who knows what that looks like now, but yeah. possibly in the future here. Yeah. So yeah, long-term rentals, um, probably the same thing every other investor looks for when their goal is long-term rentals. One, cash flow, and two, um, is there equity immediately in the property? Okay. So, Do you have like a specific area you stay in or look in? Um, Raleigh, Wake Forest, probably in the last like two years, we've branched out a little bit. And what we looked at one in Greenville, Wilson. We've, oh, Wilson. Yeah, yeah I forgot Wilson, about yeah. Wilson. Yeah, the the girlfriend's from Wilson. So, um, and oh, Wilson wait, is growing. Do we need a shout, out? shout out to your girlfriend. Yeah, shout out Katie Wheeler. <laughs> Hi, Katie. Hey, Katie. Um, yeah, I, I would say probably anything within an hour of Raleigh. Do you have a specific type of property you look for right now? Single family, absolutely no condos. Okay, so, condos. You mean townhouses? Um, townhouses are okay. As long as it's not a high HOA due, because the HOA due will cut into your cash flow. Yeah. So, so when you're, uh, let's talk about the the math and all this. How how do you have a specific formula you use to calculate cash flow on a property? Um. Yes. Take, yeah, t- just take us through that process. What it looks yeah, like. Yeah. So, um, starts with one. The obviously whatever the value or, or listing price of of the property is. I guess first. It's to determine, is this a listed house or is this an off-market house? That's number one, and that makes a huge difference in what you ask for um, as far as trying to put an offer in for the house, period. Mm -hmm. Um, Everything we've done so far is on market. Mm -hmm. So um, if it's on market, you you just determine 
what can you you just look at rental comps in the area what can you rent you know the house for is that um going to provide a pretty decent cash flow and is there you know some kind of equity in the property when compared to what the listing price is and what it's actually valued at you know in general based on market comps and take it from there. I don't know if it's a it's a kind of standard math. It's not you know I've yeah. put it out on a piece of paper or anything of that nature. Well, I have uh, other investors that are they have a Excel document where they say, right. um, you know, it has to be a certain cap rate or a certain yeah. percentage. They won't even entertain it if it's below a certain monthly cash flow limit. So you know, one thing that Scott and I actually talked about this morning or last night was two reasons you, you buy investment property. One is for cash flow or future appreciation but very rarely is it right. the same right oh it's you, never you, you never buy them for both reasons no yeah no. yeah it is just like you you go for one and the other one so his, out of his investor strategy or mindset is totally different from mine i like the cash flow i could give two rips about uh our future appreciation because i know in the back of my mind it's going to appreciate something most well, likely it, it always is yeah but i want the cash so, flow that's why i'm in the the type of rental business I am in, mm-hmm. but you guys, I mean, you're, you're more short term. You're kind of a hybrid, right? Yeah. And he's pretty much strictly long term at the moment. Yeah. Oh, he's going to pivot. He's going to pivot. Hashtag pivot. Yeah. 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 I, I think when I, when I, when I first started, it was all cash flow. So yeah. when you're hungry and you start getting that monthly cash flow, then it's, Hey, Hey, all right. I can get used to this. Yeah. That, then, just, that just helps you build more. Ab- absolutely. And then once you've, you know, got a few of them under your belt, then it's like, okay, what's the next thing after the cash flow? And mm-hmm. that's when you start looking at the appreciation you start looking at the equity. Where is it um, now? If you buy it right now, how much equity is in the property versus how much can it appreciate? You know, you can take both into consideration and then, Ideally, you know, I, if you asked me four or five years ago if I knew about this, but probably now if I look at something, I already want to know what the exit strategy is. So how much is it going to appreciate? But what's my exit strategy? Do I want to hold on to it long term or do I want to do a 1031 exchange or do I want yeah. to turn this into a rental and then Airbnb in, you know, two years from now? What's what's that look like? Probably, you know, in the past, because I mean, you learn as you go here. Yeah. Um, it was just, hey, let's just buy it, buy cash flow. Cool. Added so, it to my portfolio, move on to the next one. So, the last few that you've bought, you've already have your exit strategy, like number of years? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Is there, I guess it probably depends on the property, but is it five or is it 12 or what is it kind of? Five, like? five is tops. Max? Max. Five is tops. Yeah. So, you're, you're in and out pretty quick. Absolutely. So, and if, you know, that five years comes around and it looks like, hey, I'm okay with this. I don't need to trade it. Then obviously, you know, that that can change. But usually after five years, you want to move on to something bigger and better, especially the way Raleigh and the area is just growing and building. Yeah. It makes sense too. So with that, um, you know, be, me being on the lending side, do you go after a specific loan product then if you're only going to hold on for five years? He pays cash. Yeah. Oh, so you're all cash. You all not cash. do any financing. Wow. Baller. Um. That's a really good question, Scott. I would say probably over the my experience with this, I'm learning more and more about loans yeah. and the loaning or lending products. Um, me and you probably need to have a conversation and kind of discuss yeah. the options and stuff more. Yeah. Um, I think I've literally probably just kind of checked into what are the options, what's the best one, best value, and you just move forward. Um, not really focusing on what this product are called or what that product is called. Just like, Hey, what works for the moment? Cool. Let's go. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. Somewhat inexperienced, but it's, yeah, 
Mm-hmm. I, I feel like it's it's more polished as you go along. Every year, you know, you you learn more, and that's that's something that I definitely need to as I'm kind of learning this process and and refining my skills, learning all the different lending products that are available. Yeah. So do you? Can I ask a question without you just? Hold on, I have another no, question. I have mine. Oh, before. here we go. Okay. Paper, rock, scissors. Okay. All right. Wait, but is it one, two, three? Guys, they're literally doing paper, rock, scissors in front of me. One, two, three. I won. (laughs) Um, Do you only hold a a specific number of properties at a time? No, not necessarily. Okay. And on top of that, do you have a, do you do all the property management? I knew that was coming. Yeah. Yeah, Do you hire that out? Yeah. So if, if it gets to a point where I can't handle the property management, then yeah, you need to look at a property manager. Um, and, figure out the next options from there. But I've never been to that point. Okay. So. I was just curious because you're looking at properties that are, you know, hour-ish out. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's my question. Yeah, you're good now. Right, since you lost. Uh, do, you, uh, do you ever leverage your equity in any property to not, buy? Not yet. But that is that is coming? Uh, on the horizon? I'm highly considering that. Yes. So we, uh, did you hear the podcast with Buffini? The uh, tax one? Uh, talking about the how his his strategy with with investments oh yeah yeah and how he became a million or yeah decamillionaire i'm sure yeah but he talks about um leveraging and how he leveraged cash uh but he doesn't he says that he would leverage loans correct to generate a cash producing asset Mm -hmm. but then he would never use the equity in a house as like a piggy bank correct and where I know, about right down the middle, I know about half of the investors I work with do that. Yeah. You know, they have a hundred grand in equity in a property. They're going to take out an equity line of credit on that, use it as a down payment to buy right. another property. Yeah. Some people are all about it. Other people I, I know are not. Yeah. So I, did, I didn't know if that's what you were doing. I mean, I think it, it depends on the numbers and then it goes back to the cash flow, yeah. right? Because your cash flow in that one specific property is getting cut when you take out a the, second HELOC or whatever on that. The only model that I've seen that really work in is in the short-term arena where your yeah. your gross rents are that much higher than a traditional buy and hold strategy. There you go. So you know, if someone's paying you $2,500 monthly on a 12-year lease or 12-month lease, sorry, if you go Airbnb or something like that, you're going to easily be bringing in probably five grand. What I've seen is it typically doubles have you seen that in your short-term stuff? No, you lost me. Huh? So, so yeah. So if you if Joseph has a, you're property, having a higher cash flow and correct. a quicker return with Airbnb versus, but it's about double from what I see. So like if Joseph yeah. Has, yeah. has an asset that's two thousand dollars a month in, in gross monthly income, yeah, I, it's fair to assume, and at least in my research and my examples, that I could get four grand a month in short-term rental revenue on that. Yeah. No, would you agree? Yeah, hundred percent. Okay. It's definitely a lot more than. But I think term. that's the reason why taking out a HELOC on a short-term rental makes sense, or yeah. to purchase a, an additional short-term rental. But yeah, you can use you could spread it out. Is basically what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, if okay. you use equity from another property, you right. could buy. You have two properties that are appreciating, appreciating versus one, and bringing in cash flow. All mm-hmm. the different things. Correct. Correct. So there's a whole bunch of different ways that you can right. cut and dice it, but it all depends on what your goals are and what. I think it's whatever your you identify to be your initial strategy. Are you Correct. going to be the the cash flow guy, or Correct. are you going to be the long term whole guy? I think that's key. Yep. Yeah, that's 100%. key. Yep. So, because I know you have a townhouse here in Wake Forest yep. that you know is is a very short. I shouldn't say very short term rental, but it, I mean you you. That, yep. I think that's one of the first ones I've heard of that was a short term rental, and then now you've got your condos yeah. in, in Air and uh, Myrtle Beach that are Airbnb. Yep. But that has never been something where I was like, wait a minute, this is a great strategy. Let me, it's, it's just not never been my strategy. Correct. I think so it's, it's very kind of foreign to me, but you guys are like killing it, seeing success yeah. in that. So yeah, it's just different strategies for 
different folks and different. I'm sure it's, it comes down to investing in the stock market or in mutual funds or whatever. You want to spread it out. Right? Absolutely. So there's Absolutely. some, some folks I know that are now they've been only, only short-term rentals and now they're selling about half of their portfolio and going into buy and hold strategy here. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Yeah. You pulled away from the mic. You didn't hear me not. No, okay. <laughs> but yeah, so it, it goes back to the invest what you know. Yep. Yeah. You, you don't want to get off of your train track because you could you could derail pretty quickly. That's if, exactly right. So, and you're playing with a lot of money to just kind correct. of gamble. Yes. So. 100%. So yeah, just I mean, just keep doing what you're doing. I mean, it sounds like you're you're crushing it. Thanks, Scott. Yeah. We're trying. We're, We're trying. trying. All right. So let's. You want to go into topic number two? Pivot yes. To the next because topic. you kind of mentioned that in the in the first part about off-market homes yeah so the wholesale side of things so Correct. do you want me to in- introduce what i know about you doing this or you just want to take it over just take it over no no i want to hear what what matt oh, okay. has okay, so. to say because what i think what we're going to do here is i can hear from an experienced agent and then yeah my experience from the other side of things experience a lot of pressure on you right now yeah yeah i'm, I'm a little uh palms are sweaty well awkward okay. mom spaghetti yeah I was waiting for someone to pick it up. <laughs> yep. So he, uh, when he first started dabbling in the real estate stuff, he came to me. He's like, "Hey, man, what do you know about wholesaling?" And you know, in in the real estate licensee world, that's kind of a, a bad word, right? Yeah, it depends. I mean, it, it, right, exactly. I mean, there's there that it's a negative connotation for sure. So I said, "Well, I don't know much about it. Here's what I do know." Right. He he pretty much kind of jumped two feet in. He met a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy, and they started kind of working together. Yep. Um, and he, he educated me enough, uh, not enough, but a little bit about the the process and how they identify that, that side of the business kind of intrigues me because it's, it's solely black or white. Yeah. Uh, it, it pencils out or it doesn't. Mm-hmm. So is that accurate? Kind of how it all went down? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Similar. <laughs> Processing. Processing. Yeah. yeah. So I don't, I don't know if it's always necessarily black or white. Um, there is, I mean, a, like a clear offer price. I mean, you have to buy when you're doing wholesaling, rehabbing, um, everything on on that line of, of the real estate industry. You've got to get things at a discounted price. Okay. So, I mean, that's the black and white clarity. There is no gray. Well, maybe we can make these numbers work. No, it has to be somewhat discounted or mm-hmm. nothing at all. Let's <clears throat> let's back up and do a 30,000 foot view of wholesaling. Dumb, sure. it, dumb it down. What is it? How does it work? Yeah. Who's in yeah. that arena? All that stuff. Yeah. So it's... Uh, my terminology for it, it's the other side of the tracks. Okay. So that's that's the way I, I see it, say it. That's that's just not my way of, of seeing things. Um, one's not necessarily as bad as the other. I think a lot of real estate agents look at wholesaling and that side of things as um, one, the commission frowns upon it. And two, they don't want anything to do with it. It's just they know what goes on, but they steer away from it as much as possible. Um I can understand that now that I have delved in it literally two feet in and have spent you know some time in that line of work. I, I can certainly understand that. Um, but it, it does go on. There's an opportunity for it. There is um, some people that they, they thrive on it. So it's just, it's to each his own. Uh, but to answer your question, wholesaling is basically when you find a specific property, most of the time it needs to be either discounted or distressed. Um, you get it under contract and then you work with cash buyers, investors, or a rehabber, uh, or renovator, whatever you want to call them, um, to basically sell, you sell your interest in the contract to that rehab or that builder. Yeah. You assign the contract. You assign the contract. That's, that's the key. 
Correct. Yeah. Who who does that? Rich Dad Poor Dad. Well, that was a long, a long time ago, like early nineties. Yeah, I don't know if he went into yeah, it. I don't know if Robert Kiyosaki did. No, that. there was a guy that did that. He was like on TV commercials, and he was talking about you know buying his way yeah. of wholesaling. You know, back in the day, Thad. What well, what's his name? Thad, I've heard of that. Yeah, used to be an NFL player. I should know this. <laughs> um, let's just call him Thad. Yeah, call him Thad. So, so <clears throat> did you work for a company and? Or were you on like all on your own? I started on my own uh, immediately. I I shouldn't say immediately. Yes, I started on my own. Um, it's a huge learning curve, especially mm-hmm. if you've never done it before. Um, there is a lot to learn. I'm still learning. So, and it's it's a lot more complicated than any. Um, I think anyone really thinks it is. Yeah. And you know, there's tons of uh, information on Google and YouTube and all the gurus that want to sell you their knowledge and everything of that nature. But it's really, really complicated. So how do you guys find these properties? Marketing, 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 marketing. So those signs that you see on your ex in the freeway from the signs that you see on the freeway, we buy houses to the, um, direct mail that's you know your letters hey can i like to buy your house yeah um to cold calling to cold texting to working with uh some agents actually we'll work with you know wholesalers and um investors and rehabbers and things of that nature so um from that to um meetings you know tria meetings um all kinds of ways okay (laughs) is that enough yeah that's a lot so so my turn yeah, you're looking at me like your your yeah. brain is say something. No. Stop. Say something. I, I mean, I can keep going. I have a lot go, of questions. Go you, ahead. You we'll go. we'll pivot because this or we'll swap shoes because last week it was all with me and yeah, Jeff. Yeah. Um. So when you go in, you you buy it at a discount. Correct. You get it under contract. Correct. And then you turn around to your pool of investors. Yep. You you normally have a list of cash buyers, and um, you, you ideally you want it to be a smaller list. Yeah. So I think some people teach that you want to have a massive list of a hundred or so cash buyers. If you have a good relationship with ten, and you know that they're you know good yeah. flippers and rehabbers or whatever, just pitch it to one of those ten. Most of the time, if it's a good deal, they're going to snatch it. And then, so you assign that contract for more than what you have the house under contract. For. Correct. Yes. And so when that property closes, there's that delta between what you have it under contract and what they pay you for it. Correct. And that is your... That's his margin. That's the profit. Correct. So how, how do you identify what that quote unquote profit is? Like, is there a set percentage? Like if you buy a house for a hundred grand and you assign it to me, what are you going to assign that to me for? Yeah. Um, so... Is that a good question? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's basically, I mean, yeah, there, there is a math formula involved. Okay. So, I mean, when there's, you know, off market, when it's wholesale, there is a math formula involved. Uh, you run the numbers, you, uh, most of the time it, a lot of it is determined on how much the house needs as far as work. Yeah. So that's a huge factor there. Is it going to be need a hundred thousand or is it going to need 70,000? Um, and then from that, you know, you kind of plug in the numbers. Normally you want to be about 65 to 70%, um, of their actual market value of the property. And then you include whatever you want your wholesale fee to be. It's not necessarily a percentage. It's whatever you want to make. Yeah. So uh, whatever that number is, add 5,000, 10,000, 15,000, um, and then pitch it to you know your list of the, cash buyers. The cash buyer pays you. The cash buyer actually sells the property. I mean, buys the property. Excuse me. They don't sell the property. They buy the property um, with the wholesaler's fee included in that purchase price. So they go to the closing table, 
with all that money. So that same example, if if he wanted to make twenty thousand dollars on that deal, then he, instead of yeah, instead of actually selling it for a hundred thousand, I'd say, hey, this property is one hundred and twenty thousand. So then the rehabber would say, well, if I put fifty thousand dollars worth of work, I can get it for. You know, my cost would be one hundred and seventy, one hundred thousand plus the wholesale fee of twenty plus fifty thousand for rehab. It's one seventy. Wow, right here in Raleigh, everything's selling for at least three fifty. If yeah. I can get it for one hundred and seventy, yeah. that's a deal on my end too. So it's a win-win situation for everyone. So um, when you when you get these houses under contract, I mean, most contracts are thirty to forty-five days, sixty days. Correct. Do you same timeline or usually, do you do longer? Thirty. Thirty, 30. days. You, usually 30 days. Obviously, I mean, it depends on every scenario. Yeah. So uh, we have ran into some where, I mean, they need two, three months to get out of there. They need everything moved and all yeah. of that. So, you know, in those kind of cases, you you know take as long as you need. So what happens if you get in a house under contract and none of your pool of people want to buy it? And you got to back out. You got to cancel. So you lose all your money? Your due, your due diligence, basically? Correct. Yes. In earnest, if you have yeah. that. Um, typically with wholesalers, and this is one of the reasons it's on the dirty side of the tracks. Um, that due diligence is nothing compared to where it is when you're um, dealing with an on-market property and a real correct, estate agent. Correct. So the you're wholesaler's not, there's no, there's fee There's not a lot of competition on those. Ab- absolutely. So your um, due diligence fee for a wholesaler is anywhere between 100 to 500 Okay. So unless you know somebody asks you for more, yeah, yeah, yeah. then you need more. But, but you got to be pretty sure you're going to flip that. Absolutely. It literally can be... I've seen it as low as $10 sometimes. Oh. So... Well, yeah, you're not really worried about the due diligence too much. So you're up now, Matt. All good, Matt. Yeah. Do you have any other questions? I'm I'm good. I'm oh. great. <clears throat> no, I think the the wholesale side is a has a mysterious <laughs> uh, think, label on it because yeah. no one knows how it really works on the back end. I uh, think it's a it's a lot of misunderstanding. Um, not a lot of people understand exactly everything that goes into it. Yeah. How it works. So, and I think a lot of um, agents, I think a lot of people in general are like, well, I know that exists over there, but I don't want anything to do with it. I don't want to know about it. So it, it kind of goes undercover. Well, well, I'm sure it's like with any industry, there's people that are not necessarily the best characters or have the best character that exploit and, and do that stuff too. That is very true. And, and unfortunately, that that exists. There, there's certainly those in, in wholesale, probably more than there are, um, because it's not regulated by the commission. Right. So, yeah. I mean, there, there could be predatory practices in there where you're, you scare maybe a senior citizen into, hey, you really should sell this because of whatever. Absolutely. Therefore, that's your way of getting a house for cheap. You find your, uh, that, that, I think that's where the, the bad yep. rap comes in. Yep. Is people are like, man, that's you and know. it exists. Unfortunately, well, I'm sure yeah. it, it does it may, exist. It exists, and I'm sure there's bad lenders and bad agents and all that stuff yep. out there too. So, yep. but I do think um, there it, it is a positive thing going into, or it's been a, maybe not as much because of how competitive things were because right. it kind of got squeezed out. But as the supply is low, it could be a positive thing where wholesalers can work alongside agents because there's not a lot of properties available, and they can have a property where they could hopefully close on it yeah i mean yeah, i think uh was it 12 to 18 months ago we had the i buyer yeah craze where we had i, I don't know if i can say them but everybody knows, Everyone knows who they are yeah i just don't want to get in trouble or anything but <laughs> because there's dozens of people that listen to this anyway but i, I think that that is kind of like the eject button for an airplane pilot right is you could yeah i'm in a financial crisis i need to get out of my house and get my equity out press the panic button correct in this case you can you can press the panic button to a uh, a well, they call the sign. I mean, that basically, they they call the sign or they call the well. The no, even letter. if they they talk with a, an agent about, hey, I, hey, dude, I need to sell. It's yeah. I think it's a valuable thing to have that 
I can call Joe. Hey, man, who do you know? Yeah. Right. And I'm sure he'll make a fee or whatever off of it. But right. um, yeah, at the no, same I, time, it, it's a great way to help a client if they really need that help. I do think that agents should network with wholesalers. Yeah. And I, think it, it I is agree. I, I, mean, I agree. It, there's a need for to have that contact because you never know if you have a buyer or a seller where they can help and you guys can make a deal happen. Sure. So. No, I, I agree a hundred percent. And wherever there's a wholesaler, there is normally they have a list of, you know, cash buyers. Yeah. So I think that's going to be the key. Yes, they're going to probably take a little bit of, of commission on top. Um, but if, if there's a cash buyer that can offer, you know, your client a very quick solution um in specific Correct. circumstances, that's literally the ideal situation. Um, so yeah, whole, I, I, I agree a hundred percent. I think there is a, a place for wholesalers in the market. Um, I don't think they should be shunned with that being said, I think if any realtor is going to work with a wholesaler or dive in that line of work to definitely do your due diligence, don't just take them for their word. Correct. Um, oh, yeah. and, yeah. and, and, you know, that's just standard good practice Correct. in no, protecting yourself. Yeah. Well, I think where, where agents get a little sideways is that, you know, our license, man, we, you just went through the process. You, exactly go through, right. you go through school, you go through the whole thing. Our license is based on the premise of negotiating on the behalf of somebody else or right, or right. Fiduciary. right. Yeah. And, and, and the wholesale environment that I doesn't mean, exist. You're kind of negotiating too, though, right? Uh, for your own fee or your own commission. Yeah, there is no representation on the seller and the that's, buyers. And that's it's like, where hey, we it's, get all sideways because that's, right, that's who's it. protecting who there. Uh, it, to, very easy to go down the whole predatory slope. Correct. In my opinion. Correct. Good job. Thank you. So let's talk so, about your new license. I think that's a very good Sorry. pivot point. Yeah. Because I, I set it up. I just yeah, throw yeah. softballs over here. Yeah. Build goal. Way to go, Matt. Thanks. Uh, Yeah. So I actually just recently decided to get my real estate license. Why? Yeah, that's a Um, big big question. Pass the exam. Why would I do such a thing? Uh, Going back to what Matt was just saying, you, I think I've I've had been in so many situations with wholesaling where uh, you do see uh, people that really need help. You see broken families. You see just broken people, uh, people under foreclosure, people in bad health conditions, and they just literally can't move. Um, and by move, I mean they literally can't move from house to house. Not like yeah. physically can't move. Um, but you know, you just you see so much of that, and there are many instances where you you see that, and you say, you know what, you probably your best option would be to list this property. Yeah. You know, because I know. As a wholesaler, the job is to take advantage of this at a discounted price, but the discounted price is not the best thing for you in your situation. But if I don't take advantage of this opportunity, another wholesaler is going to come in and will because you're going to call whatever sign or whatever letter you've gotten and you're looking for quick cash when that might not be your best option. Sure. So I've kind of, you know, always thought after, you know, some experience and in, in being in this situation repeatedly you know what? It'd be really great to have both cards up your sleeve. Hey, I can list this property. We can sell this property. If you really want to rehab or, I mean, if you really want to, you know, work with a reseller and get straight cash, that can be an option too. Um, but really just helping people. I mean, you just run into so many people that are just broken and, you know, you kind of go home at the end of the day and just, man, just disregard the money that you're making, whether it's selling or wholesaling and just ethically, what's the ethical right thing to do here? And sometimes because there is a position in wholesaling where you 
if you're not predatory to that customer, you know another wholesaler is. No. There, that, that messes with your ethics a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, wow. He so, wants to help people. Yeah, I like that's it. That's it. That's it. I like it a lot. So, so here we are. What, um, with you getting into that, this side of things, the, the, the resale side of things, right? Right. What is your, I guess, take or feelings about the upcoming year in the market? That's very hard to say. You think, um, you think there should be a lot of wholesaling still? Do you think? Absolutely. Um, yeah, that's that's a that's a good question. Mm-hmm. I didn't know exactly what you were asking yeah. there. From the in- investor side, the wholesaling, I actually think that's going to be a wonderful opportunity for that to increase. Um, because if we do indeed find ourselves in a recession uh, and people possibly need to get out of their homes, most of the time, unfortunately, they're going to be looking at more short-term and their automatic thought is, I don't want to pay a commission. I don't want to pay a commission. I don't want to mess with a realtor. I've heard that a thousand times. They don't consider, well, if I sell this at a discount, the discounted rate sometimes is more than the commission. Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of either or there. Uh, but they just, they need that short term money. They know it's just a really quick solution to get out of the situation they're in right now. And so, yeah, I mean, I think this, this, if we find ourselves in anything similar to 2008, then I think it could be a wonderful opportunity for, you know, investors, for wholesalers, for rehabbers, things of that nature. Yeah. Okay. What that looks like on the on market side of things, on the more you know cleaner side of things. I mean, I th- obviously we've we've seen a slowdown now. I think that's going to probably increase at least through probably all of 2023. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts from the lending side of things? I mean, have you heard that rates will go down in 2023 and possibly back to? I've heard possibly back to four by yeah. 2024. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm hearing. So, kind of March, February, March timeframe, we should be you know, right around five and a half. And then it's going to keep going down as inflation goes down. Yeah. Um. So yeah, by the end of the year, maybe third quarter, we should be about four and a half. Okay. That's what I'm yeah. hearing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of what I think we're all kind of predicting is that. Right. That piece right. Of that's good though, because that that's going to bring the affordability factor back in for a lot of Correct. people. Because yeah. right now uh, it doesn't exist. It's, yeah, it's yeah. quiet. I mean, we had we had a couple of pre-approvals for clients where they were approved and then all of a sudden when rates shot up, what, what was it? Two points yeah. in a matter of, Three months. months. Yeah, it was crazy. Uh, their affordability went out, and then yeah. you know they're si- they're having to sign new leases again just yeah. to have a house. Right. right. Yeah. It's uh, it's honestly kind of sad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just because everybody's been uh, not everybody, but a majority of people that we work with, we specialize a lot with buyers. Yeah. They're being priced out. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting on the on the on market side of things. Um, on the off market for those that are wholesalers, I would highly suggest to work and this goes for agents too i mean look for your investors um that you can work with especially probably more that are looking for either very quick short-term or long-term rentals and not those that are working to rehab because those that are rehab obviously once that rehab is done they're looking to sell nobody's buying right now so they're stuck so things are slowing down on their end as well but those that are cash buyers that actually are looking just to do a quick um you know maybe clean it up and rent it out or turn it to an Airbnb. That's really where probably the market's going to be for 2023. Yeah. Yeah. Those I are think my thoughts. If you can get a good deal on a, on a place, do the whole burr method, right? That's exactly right. If you do that, um, which is the investors, that's, that's yeah. more the investors cash buy. I mean, yeah, but the cash pri- buyers price then. it accordingly to the market. So instead oh, of absolutely. that we're in 2021 times where you can get bank for your, your house, 
price it 10% lower. Yeah, yeah, you make a little bit less, but you're yeah. still making something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it will sell quicker. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's going to be hard work. It's going to be hard work on, on all ends. From, oh, yeah. You know, that side of things, the investors and your wholesalers, I mean, they're going to have to work a little bit harder to find those deals. And I mean, like we were learning last week in you know, this little real estate convention we were doing, I mean, as a on-market real estate agent, things are just going to fall in your lap like they did in 2020, well, yeah. 2021. I mean, it's going back to actual normal work. Yeah. Yeah. Normal work. <laughs> yeah. Not a lot of work happening in 2020 and I mean work, but it was just busy work. But yeah, not, I don't, I don't know, man. I, there's still a lot of quality that had to happen for deals to get closed right. because I mean, it was, it was crazy. Yeah. yeah you get the, the leads in your lap. Hey Matt, I'm thinking about selling. Is it a good time? Absolutely. Yeah. But I also think too, people didn't realize then where you're getting $50,000 over asking or incredible due diligence at, you know, a hundred grand. I saw that you still have to go and you have to pay inflated prices for where you're moving to. Yeah. So I, I think, uh, that's a good I, point. I think there's, uh, I know what you're saying though. Like yeah. it's, it's not, it's easy going back street. to 2018, 2019. Yeah. Which is, which is a, still a very healthy market. hundred percent. I agree. Yeah. I had fun in 2017, 2018. So yeah. bring yeah. it on. Let's go. We good. I'm good, man. I think it was good. All right. It was we great. We didn't hear a lot from us. So it was excellent. Woohoo. Thanks, Joe. That's, that's a trade from last time, right? Have yeah. a great, great day. <laughs>